0: So, what I want to do over the next few minutes is to kind of explore this journey that we've all been on um, in the service up till now with the songs and with the video um, about the call of how God calls us to respond to pain and to hurt, and to frame that in this teaching series that we've been in, looking at the story of Joseph, because this is one of the most important, this is one of the most sensitive. This is one of the most personal, and this is one of the most important journeys that all of us have to take. And all of us have to learn how to take, of how do we respond to ourselves or our loved ones being hurt. We saw last week that Joseph uh, encounters his brothers you remember they came down from Canaan. They are starving. They come down to get food and grain in Egypt. And Joseph, who is in charge of the storage of grain there, he recognizes them as they come seeking food, but they don't see him. And we talked about how we need to journey towards pain. We need to journey towards hurt. How so many of us retreat back from a pullback from pain. But what does it mean to be people who move towards it, to try to encounter it, to see what God can redeem in it? And this week, we're going to see how the story of redemption and forgiveness continues uh, through the first 15 verses of chapter 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. Then he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now, hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, and I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about, the honor, about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept and Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us all about the call upon our lives this morning as you continue writing your story of redemption in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if this was a movie, this is the part we're all crying at, right? I mean, the people in the story are crying and it's not just like a little sniffle. It's like the ugly crying that goes on, like the best kind of crying, right? Where it's just sobbing and things are happening and there's hugging and there's, uh, people can hear it and you don't even care anymore because it's just like this release. I mean, it's this kind of awesome thing that's going on. And if we're watching this, this is a moment where we're all, teary as well, because we love these kinds of stories. We love stories of reconciliation. We love stories where people who are broken come together. We love stories of forgiveness. We love it so much when it's someone else who has to do it. We don't love it as much when we imagine responding that way ourselves. We don't like this response because we want our pain to deserve more attention than this. Joseph's brothers deserve something more than just what, like crying and hugging and saying, hey, I'm gonna set you up for life here in Egypt. There's something more that needs to take place. We love the theory of it, but the practice of it in our own lives when we've been hurt, or maybe even worse, when our kids have been hurt or our grandchildren have been hurt, when people we love, the idea of forgiving is easier to talk about than it is to do. It's not even a natural human response. John Ortberg writes about this when he talks about um, Um, how unnatural it is. And his example I love, he talks about how in Roman temples, there was a certain part of Roman temples where people who were really wealthy could pay to come have their prayers written out on stone if they had been hurt, if someone had hurt them. And these areas of temples all around Rome that you could pay if you were wealthy enough to have the gods hear your prayers were called the prayers of curses. Archaeologists have found these in temples all over the Roman Empire. We're going to bring a translation of one of the stone tablets up here. And we don't know who wrote it, uh, but it's about a guy named Eucharios. Okay, this is who he's writing about. This is the prayer he pays for the gods to hear about Eucharios. Somebody who does. I invoke you holy angels and holy names, tie up, block, strike, overthrow, harm, destroy, kill, and shatter Eucharios the charioteer, don't wanna mix up the eucharios, the charioteer, and all of his horses, I know, tomorrow in the arena of Rome. Let the starting gates not open properly. Let him not compete quickly. Let him not pass. Let him not make the turn properly. Let him not receive the honors. Let him not squeeze over and overpower. Let him not come from behind and pass, but instead let him collapse let him be bound, let him be broken up, and let him drag behind, both in the early races and in the later ones. (laughs) We don't want you to think we just mean this for one race, we mean like the whole day, like all of the races you cheer, this, is the natural response of how you and I respond to when someone hurts. us? We don't know what Eucharist did to this guy, but what we do know is that this brother is consumed with hurt, okay? This is how we naturally respond. Ortberg goes on to make the point that in all of these Roman temples where there are prayers for people who have been hurt, what you find is prayers of of curses, hundreds of them like this. What you don't find one of is a prayer of forgiveness. You don't find anyone going, Lord, Eucharios did this, help his heart to be free. Help him to repent and help me to forgive him for what he's done. Because human beings don't naturally respond this way when we are the ones who are hurt or when it's people we love who are hurt. This is how we respond. Forgiveness is an unnatural act. It's not something that we are drawn to doing ourselves because it feels like it's just sweeping something under the carpet it's important when we talk about this we realize that the bible takes this kind of pain that you and I experience in life really really seriously the bible doesn't say that forgiveness is a passive act of just tolerating it and making like things are okay in fact the bible uses very definite terms when it comes to hurt the terms that it uses are financial terms they're monetary terms what it uses in the Bible is it says that when someone hurts me, they owe me a debt. They owe me money. It's like they owe me money, right? Jesus teaches us to pray this way in the Lord's Prayer. He says, Lord, for, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus himself uses financial language when it comes to how we think about forgiveness and hurt. And the question that all of us should ask whenever we pray that prayer is, why would you ever do that? Like the real world doesn't work that way. People don't just forgive debts. They collect debts. They collect interest on debts. Many of you, have loans and student loans, you know how this works. And so the Bible is saying, this is like looking at someone who owes you money because they've hurt you and going, don't worry about it. The debt is gone. And it begs the question, it's why it's not a natural act. Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone do that? The answer that I want to suggest and I'd like us to explore for a little bit today is that the reason we would choose to forgive and to make that choice is for ourselves. It's for our own hearts. And that's a weird thing to say in church because anytime you ask a question in church, the answer is supposed to be Jesus is the reason we do it or because we're supposed to serve people. So it's weird when you say the reason that we would choose to forgive this debt is for ourselves before anything else. But the only way that our hearts and our lives can become free of hurt, the only way we have healing and freedom is the unnatural act of forgiveness. Let me prove it to you. We've said, had two texts in front of us today already. Just take these two texts. There's the story of Joseph and what happens there with his brothers. And then there's this guy. Who would you rather hang out with? Seriously, who would you rather hang out with? You could spend time with one of them for a day. You got a day with one of them. Who do you choose to hang out with? Joseph, right? Who wants to hang out with this guy? Nobody. This guy is a ball of anger. He is a ball of, of fury. He, he wants revenge of what happens. And when we live this way, as, as justifiable and as natural as it is, that is taken out on other people when we don't deal with it, right? This guy was probably a nightmare to be married to. Because that's what we do when we don't forgive. When our hearts stay driven by the wounds that have been done to us, what we become is a really impatient person. And usually the people who catch it are the ones who are right around us. This is what happens when we choose to justifiably, we think, and justifiably hold on to the wounds that have been done to us. The reason we would forgive a debt is not because of religious rules. It's not because the Bible tells you to. It's because it's the only way that our own hearts and our own lives and our own relationships find freedom. So if that's the path that we want to take, the path that Joseph takes, the path towards freedom for ourselves, the question I'd like us to just explore for a few minutes is, how do you do that? Like, how do you actually forgive somebody? Because I would suggest to you it's more than just going, okay, I remember that, okay, I forgive them. It's more than that. And this text teaches us that it's more than that. So what I want to do today is I want to give you three things. Three things that I want to suggest to you that we want to do to find freedom in our lives. I also want to bring a quote up here by a fuller theologian named Louis B. Smedes, who talks about this idea of how it frees our hearts. It says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free, and to discover that prisoner was you. This is the only path we take to freedom. So if this is the path we want, what do we do? Now, there's three things that I want to suggest we do from this text. And I'm not a three-point sermon guy most of the time, So today we're going to be. Three things, and there's three steps. And I wouldn't suggest that they're easy steps, but they're steps that all of us need to engage If we want to be people who have this kind of freedom, if we want our hearts to be set free. First one is this. First thing that we all have to do in the process of forgiveness is number one, we have to recognize the universal human need to be forgiven. We have to recognize the universal human need to be, if we don't hold on to that, all we do is tolerate hurt. We're not actually forgiving anybody. We're just tolerating it. And that's a different thing. That's not freedom. Tolerance is not freedom. Forgiving is a different thing. We have to recognize the universal human need of forgiveness. Now, the evidence of that is found in this text and in the story of Joseph. Joseph is sold by his brothers into slavery. Now, there is nothing to justify that. There is nothing I'm about to say that justifies why they do this. But one of the things we've seen in this story, in the story of Joseph, is that these brothers didn't wake up one day in a vacuum going, hey, I'm kind of bored, let's go sell Joseph into slavery and see what that's like, right? They don't do it in a vacuum. They do it because for years, their father has inflicted a wound on them. Their father for years has looked at all of them and said, this is my favorite. Joseph is my favorite, hes I'm giving him the coat, it's got many colors, it's different from what you wear, I'm gonna let him do different work, it's not gonna be as hard as what you guys do. He is gonna have a better life than any of the rest of you, and I'm not keeping it secret, I want everybody to gather around and here. you're not my favorite, Joseph is on the gold medal stand in life. That kind of stuff inflicts a deep wound on us. Does that justify what the brothers do? No, it doesn't justify it at all, but it does help us to see and understand where it might come from, and that we even understand in this universal need of being forgiven that Jacob needs to be forgiven, but so does Joseph. And the first time we encounter him in the text, Joseph's kind of going, he's not humble about it. It's like, yep, I've got the coat. It's got many colors. I want all of you to see it. I'm going to wear it every day. I'm going to rub your noses in it. I am a great guy. I'm going to tell you about my dreams, not the nightmares I have that wake me up. I'm going to tell you about the ones where all of you are going to bow down on the ground in front of me because I am such a big deal. Does that mean that Joseph deserves what happens? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that there is a lot of forgiveness that needs to go around for everybody involved in this story, not just the evil brothers. Although what they do is evil. Martin Luther King talks about this in a a very challenging quote. This is not one of the Martin Luther King like little signs people have up in their office. This one's harder than than those. He says, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. And when we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. There is a universal need in everyone in this text to be forgiven. You can only tolerate people if you don't hold on to that and recognize it. And tolerance isn't freedom. And I want to say something else, and this might feel like a little rabbit hole for a a second, but I want to follow it. Because there's a good question that comes up when we talk and when we engage in the idea of forgiveness. And it comes um, from a really good place that people have. And the the thing that people say is, um, that I hear is, is, um, I need to learn how to forgive myself, right? People have said that, that's a a phrase that's alive in our culture. How do I learn to forgive myself? I know I need to be forgiven. I know it's a universal human need. How do I learn to forgive myself? And I wanna be really clear, because this is a really important and it's a good question. The answer is, it's impossible. You cannot forgive yourself. It is a pointless activity to try to go through. Why? let me illustrate this is really critical because people are going to say oh people people are going to appear on tv you got to learn to forgive yourself it's not possible here's what i mean we have been through in recent years a capital campaign here at covenant to relieve the debt that we have carried for a number of years on this property and it's gone really well and we're grateful for that. We are grateful to be paying off more and more of the debt but even at the end of this, of the money coming in for the capital campaign, we're still gonna have a bit of debt left on this building that we are going to have to handle and it's really important that we handle it and that we become debt free. Now, if, let's just take a scenario, if Frost Bank, who we owe the money to, came to us tomorrow and said, hey guys, we actually need to collect all of the debt today. One option not on the table to us is to go, actually, that debt we don't have to repay because we forgave ourselves of it. <laughs> we had a committee who looked at it and they made a recommendation to Session and Session studied it and they sent it back to the committee to look at it and the committee took another vote and they sent it back to Session again and we voted and we have forgiven ourselves of the debt. It doesn't work, it's not logical. You can't forgive yourself. Forgiveness is something that has to come from outside of us. And so it's not that we have to live in guilt. There's no guilt in our faith. But the way we move towards being free is not by learning to forgive ourselves. It's realizing that in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. It is realizing that when God looks at us, he looks at sinful, broken people and says, you are are forgiven there is no such thing as learning to forgive yourself there is the ability to learn to accept what God declares as true and that's so critical that we see that there is freedom in forgiveness but the only way we start to get there is by number one recognizing the universal human need to be forgiven starting with me starting with ourselves That's number one. Number two, if we're going to forgive and find freedom in that, number one, we have to recognize universal human need of forgiveness. Number two, we have to realize that forgiveness is a choice. And we have to celebrate that. We have to realize that forgiveness is a choice, and we have to celebrate that. And the reason that that's important is that normally when someone hurts us, we feel anger, we feel sadness, we feel betrayed, and we feel like that in a sense that we are kind of left to sit in our pain. That in a sense, all options of how we live have been taken from us by the person who hurt us, right? Right? that they have like left us in this broken state. And it's powerful to realize that forgiveness is not sweeping something under the carpet. It's not forgive and forget, and act like it never happened. It's about saying I have an array of choices in front of me and I choose this. In a sense, it's about taking power back from someone that's taken it from you when they hurt you. It's about saying I can choose. Joseph can choose a lot of things here. He could have done a lot of different things when he came. He had all kinds of power in this story and he chooses the unnatural act of forgiveness. This is a really important concept because what it means is, is that you have a lot of power in your hurt. You have a lot of power to choose the direction you're gonna take. As one of our staff members said this week, we have to remember that in this passage, it's really great that Joseph forgave his brothers and they accepted it. And they had this big emotional ugly hug, uh, cry and hug where they're all like weeping and stuff. And that's what you ultimately want. That's reconciliation. But forgiveness and reconciliation are not necessarily the same thing. If Joseph's brothers had walked out and said, you are still a really obnoxious guy and we can't believe that we just bow down to you and we're out of here. If they had left and not had the ugly cry and hug with Benjamin and Joseph and all the rest, Joseph still had the power to forgive. It's not dependent on their response. Reconciliation is dependent on their response, but Joseph is choosing a path that his brothers could throw it in his face and he can still make that decision. Our ability to choose forgiveness isn't giving power to the person we're forgiving. It's about seeing that we have an array of choices in front of us. You can forgive somebody who doesn't know that they need. You can forgive somebody who's already dead. You can forgive someone it's not healthy for you to go back around. Forgiveness isn't dependent on their response. It's about saying I have an array of choices of how I'm gonna respond and I choose this path. It is an empowering thing. That's number two. Number one, we have to understand there's a universal need to forgiveness, including us, Number two, that there is an array of choices in front of us and we choose this path for the sake of our own hearts. And last and third, we need to have some sort of way of stepping into and embodying our forgiveness. I would suggest to you that there's something more than just sitting there going, okay, I remember this and it was really hard, but I forgive them. That there is a need to do something. to act. Joseph has the ability to do that. He looks at his brothers and looks at them and says, I choose this, I forgive you. But there's an action he takes to embody what he feels. One of the most powerful ways that I've known of people who have found ways to embody this is that I've known people who have written letters because they're not able to look at the person who they need to forgive, but they still want to find freedom in their life. So I've known people who have written letters. They've taken the time to more than just feel it, but to act it. And they've written in long letters. They've, they've, they've had quiet time. They've surrounded, turned their phones off. They've canceled meetings. They've created time in their schedule. And they write about. This is what's happened and this is what you did and this is what it's made me feel and this is how it's been passed down to my children and this is the anger that I felt and this is the bitterness that I felt and this is the heartache that I felt and this is the stuff that I've been carrying in me and I now choose to forgive you. They write that out. I forgive you for what you've done because I am choosing freedom in my life and in my heart and in my relationships and in my family. I make this choice, I write that out And then I've known people who have taken that letter and put it in an envelope and sealed it and written the name of the person on the front who they needed to forgive and then taken in their hands and torn it up. And the tearing it up is the release. Doesn't matter anything what happens beyond it, but it is the idea of embodying and putting into action what I feel. It makes all the difference if we embody that versus if we just kind of feel it or acknowledge it in our heads. And I wonder what that might look like for you. This is one of the most important things you'll ever walk through and one of the hardest things to talk about if we're being really honest about it. Some of you may remember a few years ago there was a tragedy in this country. There was a shooting at a school in rural Pennsylvania at an Amish school and five students were victims. Also the shooter was as well. And it took place in a a tiny little community. And one of the, the difficult things that people wrestled with afterwards was they all knew the person who had perpetrated the crime. He was the local milkman. He was somebody who people knew. He had been married in that town. His wife had grown up in that town. Her parents still lived there. They had lived there a whole life. They had children. The children went to school there in a tiny little community where everybody knew everybody. And the widow of the person who committed this crime said that when she learned that it was her husband who had done it, that it was absolute horror that came over her. She went and she gathered her children and she realized that her life in that community, the only community she had ever known in her life, was over. Her name is Marie Roberts. Marie talked about how she gathered her children and realized that life would never be the same again and knew knew the anger and the justifiable rage that would be in this community. And she did the only thing she knew. She went to the home where she grew up. She went to her mom and dad's house and she went inside in in the hours after this horrible event and she wept with them and she cried out with them and she talked about what are we gonna do? Where are we gonna go? What's gonna happen now? Marie Roberts talks about how as they were sitting there with her parents, weeping in their living room, all of a sudden they looked out the front window and there was a group of Amish men walking down the street straight towards their house because everyone knew everybody. Everybody knew where this family lived. She said that her father stood up and said, keep the boys, keep the children inside. Lock the door. I'm going to go outside. He went outside, they locked the front door, and peered through the window as this group of men came up to the front steps. So their father went down to confront them and to speak to them, and as he stood there, an older gentleman in the crowd stepped forward and took his hands and placed them on the shoulders of the father-in-law of this man who had done this horrible deed and looked him in the eyes. It turned out that that older gentleman had lost his granddaughter just a few hours before in this event. And that he looked at the father-in-law of this person who had brought such evil and destruction into their life and said to him as he held his shoulders, I have been praying for you ever since I heard about what happened. I cannot imagine what it is your family is walking through at the moment, but I want all of you to know that we forgive you for everything that has happened. And there is no anger or bitterness in our hearts towards any of you. She said that as she watched, as her father started weeping in the front yard at what happened, and this older gentleman began weeping as well at his own pain, and the two men embraced each other in the front yard and sobbed for a few minutes in their mutual grief and their mutual pain and their mutual brokenness. Marie Roberts went on to say that these acts of forgiveness were embodied by the Amish several different times in the days and weeks and months to come, that it wasn't just a one-time event. And she wrote about and talked about in an interview several months later about this process of these Jesus followers who had done this incredible act of forgiveness to her and to her family. And among the things she said were this. And how they responded to this tragedy, what I've learned is they gave us the only path to healing and to freedom that was available to any of the families involved. It is an unnatural act to do this when we have been hurt. It is an unnatural act to do this when people we love have been hurt. And you might be sitting there today going, you don't know you don't know what I've been through, you don't know what I've walked through, you don't know the pain that exists in my life, you don't know how it's been passed on to my children, you don't know how it's been passed on to my grandchildren, you don't know the scars and the wounds and the pain and the grief and the sadness and the abandonment and the hatred that I have walked through. You don't know! And the answer I have for you is you're right. I don't. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what your family's walked through. I don't know what you're walking through today. And nothing we are saying is meant to minimize what you have been through at all. But what I also know is this. There are an array of choices in front of you today for how you can respond, and there is only one of those choices that leads to healing. There is only one of those choices that leads to freedom. And it is the unnatural choice that Joseph makes with his brothers in this story. And it frees them all. May we have the courage and the faith to make the same choice ourselves. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that in our pain you would meet us here. That we would find the capacity to forgive as we have been forgiven for the freedom of our own hearts, of our relationships, of the, those whom we love, and of those who have hurt us. We thank you for the example of Joseph that if we're honest is so unnatural and yet is the path of faith and redemption. Help us to take this journey ourselves. We pray for this in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand as we sing one last song before we go.